Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of You're My Comms Hero, a brand new podcast for comms hero types and people that I'm inspired by in the comms work that they do. So today we're going to hear from uh, Elaine Needham, who's the Director of Marketing at Aspire Housing, and we're going we're gonna to find out about how internal and external comms has been delivered more recently during this COVID-19 period. So um, thanks very much, Elaine, for, for joining us and being uh, one amongst our first guests on the You're My Comms Era podcast. And uh, um, what I'd like to do just to kick things off is just for you to have an opportunity to just introduce yourself and your role at Aspire Housing. Thanks, Asif. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm really pleased to be here talking to you today. Um, I joined We Are Aspire uh, about three years ago now um, as their comms lead and it was my first venture into housing so previously I've worked in IT for a number of years. Um, so my role is a group role so I look after the marketing comms across our housing business Aspire Housing, our training business PM Training and our charity Realise. So um, it's a varied role and there's, there's always lots, uh, lots to get involved with. Excellent. So, um... We, we've had a conversation in advance, Elaine, and uh, there's so much that's happened uh, in this kind of last five, six months during COVID. Uh, and there's a fascinating story in there that to, to share and lots of things that people will, I'm sure, benefit from um, your experience as an experienced um, comms professional. So in terms of your comms plan, how has that changed uh, and adapted since lockdown was announced back in March, which does seem such a long time ago now? Oh, doesn't it? Yeah, it seems yeah. a time ago. A lot's happened since March. Um, I think from an internal communications point of view, um, we've introduced new things since lockdown. So um, our exec team have been doing weekly blogs, which we post online, um, which are personal updates and updates about, about the business. Um, we've introduced team huddles so that colleagues um, across the business get to see each other virtually. Um, we've introduced a new weekly uh, bulletin which gets emailed to colleagues each week which really gives um, a comprehensive update from across the business. Given that so much change has happened and we've had to keep up to date with government, uh, changing government advice, um, these things will help to keep colleagues uh, not just in touch with each other but in touch with the business updates. Um, we've also hosted live executive Q&A sessions online where colleagues have been invited to to ask the executive any questions they would like, which has really kept the executive team visible to, to, to colleagues during yeah. a time when sometimes people aren't seeing anybody apart from their family. Um, so, um, however, having said that, um, we are looking at all the tools we now use from an internal com communications point of view. We currently use a messaging service, Yammer, internally to talk to each other. We have an internet as kind of an information hub. Um, we use Microsoft Teams to communicate with each other um, and it's, it's now looking at how we use all of those and whether they're still right and, and fit for purpose given where we are now um, to really offer colleagues a choice of how they um, consume their information, how, how, we, how we keep them up to date. Um, from an external communications point of view, we've always tried to take quite an integrated approach um, considering uh, customers' behaviours and preferences, so how they like to um, consume their information, do they like to go online, do they interact with our social media or do they, are they not really online and prefer to get things by post, so we've always tried to take that approach. I think kind of during lockdown periods we've, we've definitely upped the amount of communication that we send to customers and stakeholders. Um, again, to share business updates um, and, and information that undoubtedly affected them during that time. 
And again, I think some of that will stay. Um, we have increased the amount of direct mail we do. Um, we still continue to do a lot of e-direct mail and online, whether that's via website and social. So we certainly look at looking at the, the, the mix of, of tools we use to communicate with customers. Yeah. So would you say then the um, one thing I picked up there, Elaine, was the frequency of messaging. Has that increased? Certainly during lockdown, direct messaging to customers has. Um, so we've had uh, regular um, almost brochures going out, kind of four page, six page brochures going out, which has, has contained updates across the business to our housing team. Um, and then to our training business, it's been more online and email. Um, for that, for those type of customers, but again, the frequency has increased, and I think that's generally because the amount of information that we've needed to share that's affected them, um, which yeah. is, hasn't always been the case pre-COVID. I think. Yeah, and from an internal comms point of view, you mentioned weekly vlogs, the team huddles, the weekly bulletins, and also the live exec Q and A's, um, and you said some of those things might stay. Do you think will that con frequency? Do you think it's sustainable to continue that when it's post-COVID? Um, I think sustaining it isn't the issue. I think are we giving um, college channel overload, I think, is the issue. Yeah. I think we need to be really conscious of that. I think we certainly in the early days of lockdown saw email fatigue when you just constantly at a screen, constantly <laughs> scrolling through emails. Yeah. And I think it's balancing that. So that's why we've got the internal communications review underway, really, to, to hint colleagues which channels they prefer, which what frequency is right for them. I think we've had an awful lot to tell colleagues in a timely manner yeah. during lockdown. I think that may lessen um, as we go forward, but I think the, the the tools are still there. I just think it's it's then gauging what frequency is what is is right. Yeah. So an example of that would be the weekly bulletin that has stayed, but it's moved to monthly because it seems like right. about the right frequency to to. Yeah. to yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned there the. Um, uh, certainly from a frequency adaptation, but also the preference, the communications preferences, which traditionally is reserved for customer uh, communications preferences. So, and it's interesting when I was interviewing Steve Hayes for uh, the, the You're My Com Zero podcast as well, he said a similar thing in terms of they're looking at the way that they're speaking to and the information that they're collecting from colleagues. So it seems that that has changed because I think that uh, just purely because of the nature of COVID. You mentioned the access and visibility to the execs from the live uh, Q&A. Do you think um, there's a, a an opportunity here or, or a, a realisation that will those execs or, or execs in general being on social make them more accessible, not just necessarily during a um, uh, crisis uh, as we've had here. Do you think there's any benefit to having those execs um, in that kind of accessible environment for communicating some of those messages in an authentic way and trying to really keep the BAU, the business as usual element going? Yeah, absolutely, undoubtedly. I mean, I think our, our exec team have always been very visible. They um, they uh, recently before lockdown, we had an office move around and, and they, they moved to, to become centre of the, the, the office workspace that we had. And I think that's just moving that now into a virtual world. So yeah. whether it's um, in an online presence through a blog, um, sharing that through our social, um, our internal social media channel and then external social. Um, yeah, I think absolutely. Okay. And I know within um, housing, there's a, over the uh, years, I've been involved with housing comms for probably 15, 16 years now, and there's been a huge shift towards digital transformation. But it was interesting, you mentioned um, an integrated marketing approach. If you had to 
put percentages on digital to um, you know non-digital traditional forms of media like print and what have you what would you say that would be for Aspire? I think that's really tricky um, yeah. that massively varies dependent on our business between Aspire Housing, peer Training, Realised Charity and right. um, what we always try to do for each um, type of campaign take an integrated approach so have different assets um, across online and offline for that campaign so that you are kind of reiterating the message in a number of different ways um, yeah. in a consistent way um, there's absolutely a place for print I think um, it just depends on what the point of doing the work is and what yeah. the best way to deliver that I think obviously the benefit of digital is, is 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 the beauty of being able to track everything and get some metrics behind it but that's not always what the point of the campaign you know um, it, sometimes it's something different whether it's something personal or a different motive for, for doing yeah. the, the work yeah, and you mentioned um, uh, as we're talking about print, you did something quite innovative with a um, in terms of internal comms and uh, communicating with colleagues. Can you tell tell us more about the um, pack that you you sent out and why you chose print for that particular message? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think COVID brought um, it brought challenging times for everybody, um, whether you're a frontline worker or you were the somebody behind the scenes. I think it was a really challenging time, and I think what we um, what we wanted to do was not only to thank colleagues for their the exceptional work that was continued during the during the lockdown times, but also show show some appreciation and the fact that when people were returning to um, work that things had changed so the way in which we work had changed due to covid secure measures and we wanted to assure people that support was there in whatever way they needed it and um, informative uh, information to help them as they return to work to support the new covid uh, secure ways of working so the reason we chose print for that is because as a person i think you still like getting something through the post I think you get lots of emails and they are, they are absolutely fine, they serve a purpose, but I don't think there's anything better than receiving a handwritten card or receiving a little gift through the post. And I think that was the, the value of this campaign. Um, it's part of something wider, um, the Feel Good campaign, which we have internally, where we share a variety of uh, direct mail and, and um, e-direct mail assets and vouchers and, and um, assets which managers can use to share with colleagues. So. Um, it, it was important we chose print for this particular piece, definitely. Yeah, and I saw the uh, uh, one of the um, key things with that was the certainly on social for everyone to see was the engagement that it created. Um, so, and we've 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 looked at some of those. So there were some great tweets and what have you from people who received how from a as a, a comms hero yourself and having to be at the uh, development arm of that campaign. That's kind of the ideal scenario in terms of. How do you measure success on these kinds of things? Tell us more about the how you felt when those um, when you see those social posts where a campaign you've put together with your team has landed and then starts to actually create engagement and interaction. Yeah, I think it's um, there's nothing better, is there? I mean, I think um, this this was an initiative from our HR team um, in conjunction with the comms team, and I think you know what they wanted to do was was to share some of that thanks and some of that appreciation see that online um, is really nice so we had a, a number of colleagues post across Facebook Twitter um, our own our own um, internal Yammer LinkedIn to share you know the fact that they, they were happy that they received it uh, and it, it showed that they were appreciate, appreciated and I think everybody wants a little bit of that yeah. 
person. Um, it is difficult from a, a marketing point of view, it's difficult to, to kind of judge the, the overall reach and engagement of it. But just an example, one Twitter post we know reached over 3,000 people. Wow. I think it was 362 engaged with it. So, you know, we know that it, it went long and far. Um, but I think the benefit of seeing colleagues share their happiness was the point of it, really. Yeah, and that message I noticed on some of those posts that the people were actively tagging in uh, Sinead Butters, the CEO of Aspire Housing as well, which uh, from her perspective, that, that must be great. She's scrolling through a timeline where all these notifications popping up. Well, comms heroes are doing their job, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a philosophy, a way of working at, across We Aspire, which is people first. And that's about putting, you know, people, whether that's customers or colleagues first. And I think this is um, just one of those instances where she could see it in action, I guess. Yeah. And you um, uh, you certainly did a, a brave thing in terms of print here. You used personalised print. So were there any, um, uh, do you think, A, that made some difference? And were there any concerns about having data used in in your um, campaigns because we've talked I know you're a big fan of using data so it's, it'd be good to hear some of your experiences of why you chose that personalization and, and the role that data plays in 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 comms and marketing yeah definitely I think um, as much as we like to receive something through the post or receive something um, uh, to us I think targeting to, to, to you as a person is the most important thing and in this in this way we just touched on the name and yes you, you, you've got to be sure of your data because you don't want any typos in there that would not look good yeah. so you've got to be sure of the data but I think the power of that and, and the benefit of that is the engagement that you get from those pieces so I think if, if, if I receive something I know it's personalized to my likes my interests my name I'm much more likely to engage with that tell somebody about it do something with it whatever that call to action might be than if it's something more generic and it doesn't talk to me. So I think the comms piece is all about, you know, how it's written um, to me and not generally, um, and what it's about and, and have they really tapped into what I'm interested in and therefore am I going to engage with it? So yeah, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, did you um, do you think that you'll utilise personalisation more in the, in the campaigns, whether they're digital or um, print ones in the future? Yeah, definitely. And, and that's about personalisation through behaviours and preferences. So if we can really understand our colleagues and our customers in terms of what they like, um, how they like to do it, whether they engage online, whether they engage by whichever channel and what their interests are, we can then tailor campaigns specifically to them. And that's where your targeting and your segmentation and all of that really comes in. Um, and I think that's that's what marketing comms is all about. It's about being able to provide the best customer experience these days. It's about, you know, um, it's about sparking those emotions and the engagement. It's less about product and price anymore and promotion. It's about it's about those engagement factors. And I think that's what personalization can certainly do. Yeah, excellent. And um, uh, just to what advice there's been a, you know, you're an experienced comms professional. You've gone through all the things that most comms people have had to go through since uh, since March this year through COVID. What advice would you give to other comms, um, comms hero people and professionals for their plans for the year ahead? Um, that, that's a tricky one. I think um, I think it has been a, a really busy time for comms people as it has been for many others um, over the last few months. And I don't think we thought we'd be in this position at the start of the year. Um, but I think what we're looking at, from certainly from our point of view, is we're going back to our strategies to understand what is it we're trying to achieve, um, and are those those things still right? 
um, for our colleagues and our customers in terms of the campaigns that we want to deliver. And then when we do understand if those, those objectives are still right, what plans have we got in place? And I think we need to realise that those plans might not be the same as what we've done before. I think there'll be a, more of a, a, a constant review of those to make sure the channels we use, the tools we use, the campaigns we use are right. It's going to be a very tough time um, for many in the next few months. Um, and so I think we need to be very aware of those conditions that we're kind of operating in and be mindful of it. Um, so I, I think for us, it's it always comes back to the customer, doesn't it, and understanding them. Yeah. Continue to do that and keep a close eye on that. Then I think the communications will follow. Yeah. So we've got um, uh, a couple of final points here, uh, Elaine. If in terms of you know where I'm interviewing you here as as one of my comms heroes, somebody I'm inspired by in the work that you and your organisation does. Have you got any comms heroes that you are inspired by out there? And um, uh, you know if there's any that you'd you'd, you'd like to mention. Oh, that's a really tough one. I think there's so so many different things. Um, I think from a, a marketing point of view, I think there's some great social threads out there. Um, I love it. I love it where they really um, they really show their personality through through the um, social. So um, I think Innocent is one of those I always come back right, to. Yeah. Really good personality behind their brand. But then if you look at some of the council threads, they're really starting to get that through theirs, and, and that's always been a sector that's traditionally been. Um, I'd say uh, seem to have less of a flair from the comms. Yeah. It's all changing now. Um, uh, who else is comms here? I think it goes back to some business leaders as well in terms yeah. of how they share their vision with their their um, their colleagues and their their staff to show what it is they want to achieve and then how those pan out from a comms point of view. So. Um, I guess you've always got the kind of Rich and Bransons and the Virgins in terms of where they yeah. start, where they are now. Not, not, not so, not so great from a, an Atlantic point of view. But I think what they've brought to life, I think some of those big ones, yeah. let's go back to them. I think that's it. The, the Virgin one's always a marketing textbook. I've seen that in many CIM textbooks, as uh, but that was from quite a few years ago. I think those are. Those texts will have changed somewhat now, as uh, an innocent and the likes of that. Just with the, the whole um, uh, communication channels that are available now, digital's had a massive part to play in. The fact that people can have personality now, and and the, and the brands like Innocent can do what they do and and engage far more than just outbound comms. Really, that leads to a transaction. There's far more uh, interaction before an actual transaction, if indeed you get a transaction. Um, it's not really that. That's not that's not the final motivation, or it certainly doesn't appear to be that way with innocent, although it does have a direct influence on that. So no, that's great that you've um, shared some of those, and you, the, the council's local government has changed dramatically. I know um, three years ago we had the uh, couple of the team from Doncaster Council who are probably kind of leading in that respect and the ones that people think about. And we've got um, in Com Zero Week on 28th September, we've got. Um, uh, uh, Cheltenham Borough Council with uh, Darren Knight and Katie Sandy, who did uh, quite a probably Doncaster-esque type campaign actually, and it's an interesting title they've got, and it's all there on our uh, on our website. But it's great to um, to to hear. And um, so, just wanted to thank you, Elaine, for your time and what was a very interesting interview. Lots of insight and some hopefully many points and tips that people can take away. And start using in their um, in in their work and their role. 
uh, as well. And just a reminder to all, all the listeners that Comzero Week is happening on the 28th of September through to the 2nd of October. And it's a virtual event with over 35 speakers, three panel debates and lots of networking opportunities. And we had confirmation today that CIPR recognised it for 175 points for the whole week. So 35 sessions at five points a session. And apparently the your annual CPD requirement is 60 points. So um, you can't get three years in advance, but you can certainly get a whole year's worth of CPD in a week. And uh, so if anyone's interested, tickets and further details on the website comshero.com or you can follow be one of over 10,000 followers on Twitter so Elaine it just remains for me to say thank you very much for your time and we'll be launching this podcast on the website in uh, the coming days and um, uh, we'll look forward to hopefully being part of Comzero week and uh, the listeners enjoying your tips and pearls of wisdom that you've shared with us today thanks very much thanks for having me thank you